Pharisee, I preach the gospel. I follow the apostles, you follow Pentecostals. Do not perform, so that's a risk. I believe the five points like an asterisk. I repent, but you're in sin still. I spit rhymes and Fernando does a windmill. Well, here we go. Welcome to another episode of SolarCast. What's going on out there in podcast land? It's your boy, Pastor Chris Hernandez. And here I got my man. Jimmy De Los Santos. What's going on, Jimmy? Hey, man, it's a good day. Hey, it's like we got a guest with us this morning, right? Yeah, we do. Something's different in the room. What's going yeah, on? Well, yeah, we want to <laughs> welcome to the uh, podcast show my, my brother, Pastor Henry Knox. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's going on, people? It's uh, good to be here. Uh, thank you so much, for, Chris, for having me. Uh, it's a blessed day. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. We appreciate you joining us, and uh, we're going to get right into it here in a second. Of course, everyone knows this is our second episode of uh, Social Justice. We're going to be continuing that conversation that we left off last week, man. But other than that, brothers, you know, how's your week? How's your, your guys' week's been? Everything good? Yeah, I went on that. We talked about that before. Uh, that interview happened yesterday, so. Oh, that's right, yeah. Let all the listeners out there pray for me that I might get this get that, <laughs> uh, job that I've been uh, looking for. And so, uh, also, it's been good. We had family movie night, or not family movie night, Ecclesia family movie night yeah. last night. Yeah, we got to see the American Gospel and yeah. eye-opening, man, eye-opening. People need to see it. If you ain't seen it, check it out. I think it's on Amazon. You can rent it on Amazon or buy it on Amazon uh, and check it out. It's a really, really powerful film. But, and, it's, uh, and it's not too long. Man, <laughs> I didn't know it was so long, bro. I would have brought my pillow. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was pretty long. Man. Yeah, we kind of cut the Q and A because by the time we were done with the movie, we we're like, let's go home. But it was good. Oh, yeah. oh gosh, yeah, it was good. How long was it? Uh, about four hours. No, no, no. Two, no, two like, hours. Goodness, two, no, hours, no, two, no, hours, two hours, 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it was about 2.20 or so. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. It's good, man. All right. I think Pastor Henry should tell us about, about Hey, hey if, if, you, if these guys can watch Avengers for three and a half hours. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt about it. No, that. but it was definitely engaging, though. Yeah. The documentary was, was engaging, and they, yeah. they, they put it together well, and yeah. they had a lot of good people on there. Yeah. Listening to Paul Washer, still remember, we saw him at G3, and then we had to see him again in the documentary. We thought we were going to die again, bro. Yeah. Like, that's what you were saying. Right. <laughs> hey, Pastor Henry, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience, you know, uh, about a little bit about yourself, your church, and where you guys look. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So I am uh, I am pastor of a small church called uh, Christ Infinite Vision Ministries. Uh, it was uh, founded in Dallas, Texas, uh, more specifically Oak Cliff. Uh, Texas is a small subsidiary in OC? the middle area. Yeah, <laughs> in the middle of Dallas. Um, I've been uh, pastoring since 2013. But I guess the uh, background on me is uh, I was I was part of a um, a of a non denominational church, uh, lean sort of Pentecostal, but not really, just all over the place. I was ordained to be a deacon there, and I began to really study the Word of God. And I guess the biggest division was the fact that. Uh, this is this is sort of how the church got born out. I, it was uh, it was a night where we were having Bible study, and I had been reading through uh, the entire Book of Romans like it always is, mm-hmm. right? And so we were having a Bible study, and people were asking me questions in, in the in the group and everything. And they were like, "Well, well, you know, isn't God a gentleman? You know, doesn't doesn't He knock first before He just you know hmm. brings Himself into your life?" I'm like, "Well, that's not what Romans says." Right. And long story short, uh, me and the pastor we got sort of into a tit for tat. I kind of bowed out for a little bit, but I continued to answer questions and give Bible studies the same way I had I had learned in Scripture. And so it kind of got a little bit divisive there. And then of course we found some backdoor things were going on, so we decided to. Uh, go out on our own. And so I was just really just looking for a church. I was looking for a church for about, 
a couple of weeks and um, it just nothing was really turning out. I didn't right. I, I, like I didn't even know what what reform theology was or at the time really didn't know. I just had been studying scripture and knew, knew that God was sovereign. So we just began to just have church in my house. A couple of people came. I think the first time I had my father-in-law there, my wife was there. Then all of a sudden, the next Sunday, like, you know, four or five people came, then 10 people came, then right. 15, then it was off to the races from there. Awesome. So, awesome. yeah, so I've been doing it ever since. Uh, uh, we added to our, our church, uh, my associate pastor, uh, John Bray II, mm-hmm. um, he graduated from theolo- from uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, a very good, solid brother. He's also reformed uh, in his doctrine, and, uh, you know, we have a good old time. And worship at, at our church and everything. So awesome! And this brother could preach. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This brother could preach. We we had him out at Ecclesia a couple of weeks Glory back, God, man. man. And uh, we had just come back from the G three conference, and I was telling uh, the brothers, man. Uh, Pastor Henry should have been on the lineup at the G3. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no, man, I'm just. Yeah. I'm, I'm still just thinking about servant. his eyes on the sparrow. He, yeah. he ended that sermon with uh, going to the hymn, "His Eyes on the Sparrow." So, yeah. Yeah. we can trust God. We can trust if Amen. he's got his eye on the sparrow, he's got me. That's right. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I think I think we met up, Henry. I think I man, I was just. I think maybe on was it social media? Probably? Yeah, it was social yeah. media. Yeah, uh, you know, we just had some of the same friends. Yeah, you know, that usually happens. Yeah, right? if you have some of the same friends, you run with the same circles. Yeah, especially you know, for us reform guys, you know, there's not a lot of us. You know, yeah. so we kind of look out for who who else in my city is reformed. And then I'm like, all right, yeah, cool. And then if, if you are, uh, you know, someone of color like us, you know, like, then okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah, even more cool, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. yeah. So we're we, like the magical unicorns. Right, right. <laughs> there's, there's, some, there's another minority that's reformed and living in Dallas. Right. Okay, you know what I mean? I got to connect with this bro. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so, uh, yeah, yeah we, we're like the unicorns, man. You yeah. spot one, you got you to gotta take a picture. Yeah. Right? <laughs> when, we, when we're doing that at G3, at G3, we're like, yeah. look for the Latinos, man. Yeah, Latinos, uh, here. Yeah, I think uh, I even yeah I, I went on Reform Latinos, the little Facebook group, bro. And I'm like any, any Latinos yet? There were like two or three of them. There. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's then cool. we met that guy outside when we saw him. We started talking to him, and uh, oh, yeah. he had just uh, that was that was awesome to meet somebody like that. Just, no, that's funny. So we we rode with this brother man that he's Russian. Yeah, and um, but. He looks Latino, yeah. so when he's with us, you know, everybody thinks he's Latino, you know. And uh, but when he's not with us, when he's like with his white brothers, he looks yeah. white. So like okay. he's like a chameleon; he can right. be whatever, man. So yeah, right. some brother at the G three conference, some brother was out there and asked him, you know, are you Latino? Because he yeah. was looking for some other Latino brothers to hang right. out with. And then Rodeo comes and looks for us. He goes, "Hey, I found a guy outside that's looking for some Latino brothers. Come talk to him." So we went outside and talked to him. So it's funny, man. He's like a chameleon. Everywhere we yeah. go, everybody thinks he's he's, he's with us. That's cool. He's gonna hear. This and, and he's gonna think, well, they're talking about me again. <laughs> but Rodion, you gotta expect it, bro. You've been hanging out with us more and more, so expect that we're gonna talk about you. Right. But I told him last night, bro, you're the only Russian I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if minorities of minorities, he's well, we like to use his privilege whenever we go to table, so we can get a table. <laughs> right. Well, then, come on with right. us, Rodion. So right. we get a good table. Right. I guess that'll that'll lead us right into the to the topic of the day, right? So yeah. we're we're talking about and we're continuing on this issue of social justice. It's been a big movement that we've seen creep into the church within the recent years. Yeah. And as we talked about last week, we've been seeing a lot of what we would say divisive and divisiveness going on in the church over this issue. For, so for that reason alone, we think it's unhealthy. You know, just the yeah. uh, the overemphasis of social justice in the church. Um, 
Now, that, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have concerns, and we're going to get into that here in a second, over, over uh, justice and issues that pertain to justice and so forth. But I sure. wanted, wanted to get started with, with kind of just talking about our backgrounds, because I think a lot of times when people out there that are uh, social justice warriors, or I think I like the way Daryl Harrison says it, uh, social justians, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when, they are, when they are on that side of the aisle, and they hear guys push back and guys like us push back against social justice in the church and uh, say things like preach the gospel. A lot of the claim out there is going to be, well, you guys don't know how it is to be a minority. You guys don't know how it is to be oppressed or to right. be uh, stopped by cops. Or you guys don't know how it is uh, to uh, experience any type of racism in your life. So I wanted to get started there because, you know, uh, people out there know we're all, all three of us, you know, people of color, right? So right. So we've, we've lived in the U.S., you know. I'm not going to say our ages here, but uh, for, for a few years. <laughs> I keep saying I'm an old man, bro. Everybody knows I'm an old man. So. For a few years. So obviously, I think we've all dealt with a little bit of that, being people of color living in this country. So let's talk about that. Uh, let's just, you know, whoever wants to jump in here. Tell me about growing up, you know, what you've experienced being uh, a person of color here in the in this country. You know? Well, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I'll go first. I, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, um, it's amazing how um, it has increasingly become so polarizing or rather so racially charged because I like I don't know if it's just because I grew up in Texas. I don't know if it's because of the area that I was in. I don't know if it was uh, it was because of my parents, my grandparents um, or a combination of all those different factors. But I grew up in a predominantly African-American black context. I mean, my elementary school was like 95 percent black. If you go online, you look up South Oak Cliff, you look up Roosevelt High School, you look up Maceo Smith, you look up Skyline right. High School, Townview. These are like up into the 90 percentile black schools. Right. And so when when I when I grew up, we had this black context, but we didn't have the context of social oppression and this idea like all the people around us in the, in the community, our counselors, our teachers, they always told us what we could be and what we could aspire to be and what, we're, and what we were better than, etc. And so, you know, just growing up in that context, went to uh, went to uh, went to multiple different places, uh, different housing, uh, public housing, Section A housing, mm-hmm. apartment complexes. But throughout that whole context like I, I never fear for my life from different people or white police officers or whatever you know you can call me naive you can call me dumbfounded but like I'm telling you you know sort of we were kind of talking before the podcast started but um, as I grew up I had Caucasian teachers I had African-American teachers um, I had um, sort of a daycare lady she took care of us uh, I think she was like mixed with like um, with like uh, Egyptian and like black or whatever. Um, so I've always had sort of uh, that cultural piece there from different sides of the aisle as I grew up. And then, you know, I ex- experienced certain things. I've been handcuffed on the side of the road, mm-hmm. uh, been pulled over multiple times, you know, growing up in Oak Cliff, going through Pleasant Grove, going through, right. you know, you know, boulevards like Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. You know, you get pulled over. It was it was sort of uh, not normative, but it's but something that I definitely ex- experienced. Right. Right. Um, but I was always taught, hey, you know, if you get pulled over, your hand is at 10 and 2. 
You say yes, sir, no, sir. Yeah. Uh, you do these specific things. And of course, it's not going to totally avoid misconduct of officers or whatever, but it can definitely mitigate situations. I mean, right. the Bible even says that a soft answer turns away wrath. Right. Right? right. So so, you know, those biblical principles and those life principles, those cultural principles were always instilled in me as I continue to grow up. And so my context is extremely black. If if, right. if, if you want to, you know, use if you want to use, use that vernacular. Mm. So, um you know, uh, grew up in this context of, uh, hey, if uh, <laughs> if uh, she can't use your comb, don't bring her home. You know, <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, you know, just like like, you know, like like people look at my perspective right. and they say, you know, well, you're just trying to pander to a white audience. But I'm like, you know, my whole entire church is black. Right. We're 100 percent black. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, my cousins, my relatives, everybody, you know, we're all black. And so, right. you know, so that's, that's so funny about social media is that people make a judgment call based right. upon what you say, not who you actually are. Exactly. And so they and that, that's so crazy because you can have a perspective that. Uh, somebody will automatically label you a coon or all the standard fanfare, Tom, you know, Uncle Uncle Tom, Sambo, Oreo, yeah. all those all, all those vindictive terms. And then if you're a white male Christian, oh, you're automatically white privilege. Right, right. You know, so that's the context that I've lived in. And that's what I kind of that's the space that I've been in. So I, I kind of joke with people all the time, like, you know, especially on social media, people that don't know me. I'm like, I've been black all my life. And I know how to be black and, you know, yeah. whatever that means got to you. To prove. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I have nothing to prove at all. You know, the people that I help are black. The people that, that I congregate with are black. Yeah. So that's just my my context in growing up. So uh, every experience that you can name of uh, with officers, with schools, with school, with school systems, right. uh, cousins being locked up. I personally haven't because I was, you know, given grace in that area. But. Um, every single black context, quote unquote, right. that you want to use, uh, yeah. you know, uh, yeah, I'm there. So you're not coming from an area of I don't understand the black culture. I don't right. understand what they're going through. You, you you've lived it, right? You exactly. Like yeah. So I didn't got nothing to prove. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of joke a lot. Like I didn't I didn't grow up like Colin Colin, Colin Kaepernick. You know, right. you know, you know, when you have right. the white family that actually adopted me, where I'm half black, half white, and I sort of know the quote unquote struggle, right. and I'm trying to you know be a certain way. I'm trying to exude yeah. this. Stuff. I'm not growing an afro. So you didn't learn the struggle in college, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I didn't learn it from some professor. Yeah. You know, I am literally the struggle. I am a case yeah. study, I guess, if you want to say that. Uh, so some of my experiences, um, I was telling y'all before uh, when I was in high school, I had a good friend of mine. I went to, uh, to his house. We'd, we'd, we'd hang out at his house. Lift weights in his garage, things like that. Um, but one day his stepfather came home early, and I just heard him go off on uh, on my friend in the other room, uh, saying, "Get that dirty Mexican out of my house." And and I'm sitting there thinking, "Who's the dirty Mexican?" Oh, he's talking about me. Oh wow! <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, I'm not even Mexican. How many Mexicans are in that house? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, it, that kind of that kind of thing. Um, that that was high school. That was so long ago. And you know, but there's stories even beyond that. Like my dad. Uh, I told you this story that he walked into a, a cafe here. Uh, I think it was in LaGrange, Texas. I walked into a cafe, and they told him there that they didn't serve Mexicans. Hmm. And he made a joke out of it saying, well, that's good because I just wanted a hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> but beyond that, I, I'm thinking about what you said about handcuffed on the side of the road. And here's, here's, here's from, my, from my perspective, and I grew up in Oak Cliff also. Right. I went to Sunset High School. And there's a oh, mix. Right, yeah. There's a mix yeah, there. It's right. a, you know, mostly uh, Hispanic and uh, african-american right very few whites yeah right but um i was also in some kind of gifted programs 
where I ended up being with the white people. Yeah, yeah. and it was a surprise to me. The two I, or three that were in the high school. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I was also yeah. half of my high school years were in Victoria, Texas, right. and half oh, were over okay. here. So okay. uh, in Victoria, right. there was a, a predominant white um, community. Uh, but anyway, one of the things about what you were saying, handcuffed on the side of the road, is that before I met Christ. There was a lot of getting handcuffed on the side of the road, <laughs> but justly right. so, yeah. right? I was in the wrong place and I was doing the wrong thing, yeah. right? So when I got pulled over, they had reason to pull mm. me over. Okay. And so it was like those handcuffs were deserved. And so it wasn't, it, 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 from my perspective, yeah, I'm Hispanic, but it was actually what I was doing that got me in trouble. Mm. It wasn't because of the, the, my skin tone. Now, here's, here's another thing that happened uh, after I came to Christ which I thought was interesting to me because of the, the context I grew up in. I was always expecting when the cops got behind me just to get a little tight, you mm-hmm. know, just a little, okay, okay, what are they getting behind me for? And uh, I, had, I had come to a place in my Christianity where uh, I realized when this cop gets behind me, I'm in Fort Worth, and I, I get tight, you know, so like, oh, what's he getting behind me for? And then, right. it, and then it strikes me. What am I worried about? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have nothing. I've done nothing. I've not been anywhere I shouldn't be. Right. So when I do get pulled over, and the, and, and the guy comes and tells me, you know, he gets my driver's license, this and that, asks me what I do. And he, says, he comes back and tells me that my brother had gotten a ticket in my car <laughs> in Irving. <laughs> and so the only, the only reason he pulled me over is that it, it, it was different. It wasn't like the guy was, you know, looking at me and saying, well, that's a Hispanic guy. I need to pull over. Right, right. right. Uh, there was actually a reason for him to pull me over. But in it, at that point in time, there was nothing I needed to be afraid of. Right. 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 I had done nothing wrong. He wasn't going to find anything in my car. No. And so I think a lot of times, you know, we want to say, you were saying, you were alluding to that earlier uh, before we started the podcast, that they never found anything in your car when they. When yeah. They no, I, like, <laughs> I, I was I was talking about you know, like like when they when they pulled me over, I was I was also the kid in the gifted classes and everything and did certain things. But. You know, I didn't like every time. Like I, I tell, I tell guys that 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 go to my church, and I say, I said, look, if they pull you over and they come up short every single time, they're gonna stop pulling you over. Right. They're gonna stop stopping you. They're gonna stop. Now, look, we can argue about the nuanced details of should they have pulled you over, how many of the demographic do they pull over every day, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day. It's about one individual at a time. Right. If they pull you over every time, and like my case, they find comic books and geeky <laughs> stuff and Dragon Ball Z yeah. and, <laughs> and everything else, like they're not going to right. keep doing it because they're coming up short and they have no reason to do that. And so, you know, I, I think that, you know, as a quote unquote minority in this context where we're living in a society that has a majority culture. Right. Um, it, you know, again, I mean, you know, the Bible says that a king is not a terror to good works. Right. It says that the the authorities that be, they're put in place by God. Mm. They may abuse their power, but if they're not, and they simply are doing what their job is designed to do, which is not to bear the sword in vain, then, you know, if you're doing wrong, whatever your sentences or whatever you get pulled over for, then accept what, what you got. But if you're not, then you will usually go about your merry way right. because they keep coming up short. Right. So, and you touched on something that um, that I see too. I guess ever since maybe the Ferguson issue, ever since that that kind of blew up, there's been this overarching theme that minorities are, are fearing for their life because of cops and so forth. And, right, and that we're just uh, we can't <coughs> imagine how it is to raise our kids in, in this country anymore right. with the fear and so forth. And you know, I get that. I mean, uh, there might be some legitimate uh, concerns there and some of that, but. 
I want to go back to my youth, like your youth, man. And, and uh, you know, man, I was just like you, man. I was I was just riding around and I would get pulled over. I, I remember a couple of times, you know, just uh, getting pulled over and which I believe just for being at the wrong place at the wrong time, looking like myself. But now I will say this. Uh, I was lucky sometimes that they didn't catch me with anything because I was running around with some knuckleheads back in the days. Wow. You know? So, I mean, looking like the way we are, man, you know, dressing like the way we used to dress and so forth, man, we were we were up to no good. So, right. I mean, like I think you had mentioned before, before we started the podcast, man, they keep pulling you over, pulling you over. Eventually, they're going to find something yeah. and say you're doing something wrong. Yeah, exactly. And that was kind of my case, man. But yeah. I, I remember a couple of times getting pulled over. We didn't even do anything wrong. And I remember specifically one time, man, being handcuffed and just, man, just going at the cop, man, yelling at him, wanting to fight him. And right. I remember a buddy of mine, man, telling me, shut up. Just shut up. You're going to get shot, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I remember back then, you don't think about that stuff, right. man. You're just right. a knucklehead. And and one thing you touched on, man, is that when you were young, you weren't afraid of, of, of being killed by cops, right? Right. And, and neither was I. I was yelling at him. I was like, yeah, that wasn't a thing, man. Yeah. I, you know what? I was being. I was afraid of getting killed by another gang member. Yeah. Or somebody that didn't like me or somebody that, uh, you know, maybe I uh, I talked to their girl or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was my fear. And my when I look at my kids, you know, I got two young boys that are Latino. Uh, when Even before this whole Ferguson thing, you know, blew up. Man, one thing that I was concerned about was, like, I don't want them to, you know, hang out with some of the same dudes I hung out with when right. I was young. I, right. I wonder where, how can I steer them away from that to serve the Lord, to love the Lord, to, to grow them up in the way of the Lord. Don't didn't ever cross my mind that my boys are brown and they're going to get pulled over and mm-hmm. they're going to get killed by a cop. What crossed my mind was my boys are brown. What neighborhood are they going to grow up in? Who are they going to hang with, right. hang around with? If they get into trouble, you know, who are they going to be harmed by? Somebody that looks like them, more right. than likely. And, and statistics prove that out. I mean, we get harmed by more than likely by people that of our own race yeah. than anything. Right? Yeah, well, when you, when you look at the demographics of, of all, this, of all the, the, the numbers of violent crimes against every ethnicity, every ethnicity harms its own ethnicity right. more than any other, right? Um, now, there is a degree of, of, of heightened level where it goes against the narrative that is popularized today. You know, we, you know, I, I know in an African-American context, we kill ourselves as a 90 percentile, but at the rate of it, it's absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason why people get so upset whenever you bring up the idea of social justice and, of course, officer interactions with minorities. But then I do bring up, you know, uh, the issue of black on black crime, because when you look at the rates of it, so you take like, I think it was 2015, 2014, 2016. Between those three years, do you know how many unarmed black men were actually killed? It was between the number of 12 and 16. Wow. Only 12 or 16. And then within those 12 and 16 that were unarmed, most of them were justified. So we can get down to the nitty gritty of the ones that were not justified. Mm-hmm. And when you get down to it, the cop either went to jail or either went to jail for life. Right. And so when you look at the actual numbers, it goes against the narrative. Right. I mean, I was talking to a, 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 a I was talking to a pastor friend of, of, of mine and, you know, he's on social media. He's in his congregation and he preaches this stuff. And he's like and in, you know, the way he talks, you would think that he's he's saying that, like, oh, well, it's open season on black people. That's the narrative. I'm yeah. like, I'm like, but the numbers don't bear that out. Right. What are we doing? And of course, that that fear gets instilled into our children. Then our children walk around with this animosity, with this milieu, this idea that, that the world's against them. And so 
how can you succeed or rather how can you have a have a a, a mindset to succeed when you're walking around with this inherent fear right yeah. Because because the Which, Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. Exactly. He says that he's that he's not given us a spirit of fear, but the spirit of a sound mind, meaning being able to think correctly about mm-hmm. these things. So if we believe the social justice narrative, you know, we would all be going against the word word of God, and that's the biggest. Which thing. has changed in the world and in the church too, right? So you had mentioned when you were growing up, some of the messages that you were hearing was, you know, do better, make something of yourself, and so forth. Right, I'm right. with you, man. I used to hear that a lot too. You know, uh, you're not going to go nowhere. If you continue to act like that, pull your pants up. You yeah. know, I used because I used to, you know, sag with the best of them. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, pull your pants up. You know, listen to some some better music and so yeah. forth. Man, I used to hear that message hammered home all the time. Right. You know, you can make it, study hard, go to college, and this and that. And now it seems like okay, let's change the message to our kids and let's tell them you can't make it. Look at the color of your skin. Right. Look at everybody's out to get you. The cops want to kill you. The the state wants wants to harm you and oppress you. What kind of message are we sending to these right. kids, man? Right. You know, you, you, you're you're touch on you're about to touch on victim mentality, right. right? You're you're saying if we're teaching our kids that hey, you're always going to be be the victim, they're going to play the victim, right? Right. Instead of going to what the scriptures say, and you're making me think of, of something. I'm going to go ahead and read uh, Proverbs chapter one here. This is um, this is of course Solomon wrote the, this proverb to his hear my son. This is verse uh, eight. Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Forsake not the, your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and a pendants for your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive. And whole, like those who go down to the pit, we shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our house with plunder. Throw in your lot among us, we will have one person. My son, don't walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths. Solomon is being a, a wise father and training up his child to say, hey, stay away from that kind of thing. Right. Right. Because this is what we need to do with our kids. We need to train them up in the ways of the Lord right. and stop giving them this victim mentality. You know what? If, if it comes upon you, it's because you went out there with them. Mm-hmm. They enticed you and you went with them. Right. Right. And so this idea that we need to teach our kids that, the whole world is against you. Well, we need to teach them to stay away right. from what the world is wanting you to do. Right? right? Stay in the past. Because in our God. original sin, we're already cynical. We're already we already think that everybody's out to get us. Right. And we're just feeding that more and more to the depraved mind. And and one thing I do want to say though is that by no means are we saying or trying to justify even that one unjust cop shooting or, right. Right. or, of or anything like that. Right. Of course, no. I mean, one is too many. Yeah. You know, in my yeah. book, in, in our book. So, but. I think to that is that, look, especially as Calvinists, we know what kind of world we live in, right. you know, a depraved world. And to, to say that there's not going to be a unjust cop, a cop with, with, that's dealing with racism, is foolish. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous. You're going to have that in every area of life. There's going to be a, a racist banker. There's going to be a, a racist customer service agent. There's going to be a racist cop. You know, that's the kind of world we live in. Right. Right? But yet we get all up in arms and surprised that there is any type of racism yeah. in the in the police force. Well, well, the biggest thing that I also see in, in just all this is that, you know, when you look at the wisdom books, when you look at Proverbs, when you look at Psalms, which is a, a total, uh, you know, worship to God, when you look at the book of Job, right? And, you know, again, from a Calvinist perspective, we understand that God is sovereign. And that's not an argument against to say, well, just accept it. Right. No, we, we do dissent. Right. We do talk and everything, but again, we don't instill a victim mentality within ourselves. Like I don't see how, and I've and I've talked to multiple people. I, like I, I like, 
And I personally said this to multiple people. I said, I don't see how we can get up on Sunday and we can uh, preach the gospel and we know that we're free in Christ and we have all this liberty in Christ and we can uh, quote verses that say that we're more than conquerors with tears in our eyes, but then get out the front door of the church and then say that we're victims. Mm-hmm. That's incredibly, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's totally oxymoronic to be able to say that. Right. Like either you're a conqueror in Christ, either you're an ambassador for Christ and you're going to preach the gospel right. because within the gospel, there is justice. Right. It is the ultimate justice because of the fact that Christ took upon himself all of our sins, right? Um, all those who are, who are chosen are our sins. So Christ took upon that. So as you said uh, earlier, um, at the end of the day, every wrong will ultimately be righted. Mm-hmm. So, so whether I feel like I am oppressed or if I truly am oppressed, which I believe in Christians in the American context aren't oppressed at all, but yeah, I wanted to touch on that. That's a whole other thing. But, but, um, but if I feel that I am, just understand that at the end of the day, if the cop doesn't go to jail, mm-hmm. if the if if the assailant doesn't get his just due, if he escapes, mm-hmm. if uh, the rapist gets off for some technicality or whatever. At the end of the day, God is sovereign over all things, and he will bring justice to that person or to that group or whatever. Uh, and we see this so many times in Scripture. I mean, right. uh, you know, he even brings justice upon his own people when they sin against him. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, that's the bigger thing for me is that how much grace have I received being rebellious against God right. and, you know, knowing the terror of God, which is why I preach the gospel mm-hmm. and persuade mm-hmm. men. And let them understand that. So you got to be careful with just preach the gospel. Really. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's more gospel plus. I'm sorry. I, I just want to add one thing. It's like it's it's so incredible that we have taken it upon ourselves, and oh, well, social justice people or people of, of that ilk have taken it upon themselves to reduce the gospel as if it's not that important. Hmm. Like saying to you, preach the gospel. We are we are reformed people and even people with with an outer context. We are theologians when it comes to breaking down what the gospel is and what it means. So when I say preach the gospel, I mean dissent when you see something wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean preach the gospel in terms of being level headed, having a sound mind. Right. Preach the gospel in terms of justice. Yeah, there should be justice, but I'm not going to focus just on one thing. I'm going to focus on on the on the totality of what the gospel means. Right, and the gospel is in Jesus Christ and what He did on the cross. Yeah, I want to touch on a word that you mentioned there. Do you think, and let me just ask this question, do you think the word oppress is being thrown around too loosely these days? I do. Yeah. I do. And, you know, you have, you, have, you have people that say that they're oppressed because of the fact that they will say that there is, that there is, an, is an, an inequity in the ethnicities, mm-hmm. right? So when you look at, uh, like, Japanese-American, Nigerian-Americans, uh, Chinese-Americans, uh, even Pacific Islanders, and people from actual, from India, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to be more successful financially. And this is another point that I've, I've said multiple times. Like, if, <laughs> if quote-unquote, black people were financially successful, this would not be a talking point at all. Hmm. This would not even be a talking point. This is a talking point only because of the fact of that, at first glance, it looks oppressive. But just because something looks a certain way does not mean that it actually is, right? Hmm. Because I tell people all the time, it's like, what are you doing to lift yourself up out of oppression. Now, look, what I personally think is, I think that we have a lot of people who have been instilled this victim mentality and they like, I'm going to get so much trouble for saying this, but, but <laughs> we get in trouble. All yeah, time, right. Yeah. Right. But as far as in the American context, I'm talking about in the American context, in the American context, 
we have pretty much overcome the vast majority of major things that are oppressive on the law books. Jim Crow laws are no more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Slavery laws and actual oppressive laws are no more. That battle has been won. But the problem is you got a bunch of kids on the battlefield picking up their parents' guns, but they have no enemy to fight. Wow. So everybody's an enemy. <laughs> the tree is an enemy. The rock is an enemy. Wow. That, you know, everything is oppressive. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so when you look at things like that, because everything is oppressive because they have no enemy to fight anymore. Right. There's no more laws in the books to say a black person cannot drink this, drink, drink at this water fountain, eat in this restaurant or whatever. Right. Like that war is over. We should be working on building now, but we're so so caught up in the past right. that we're literally taking our parents' luggage and putting it on our back right, right. When, when we should have been dropped it off at the house a long time ago. Pastor Henry Knox, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you know, you're you're going into some numbers and talking about those numbers, and I actually I did this uh, thing where I went and found a, a Pew Research yeah. a re- religious landscape study that they did. They, they called uh, in 2014. Uh, they made 35,000 phone calls. Mm. And uh, they're saying there's a 1% margin of error here. But uh, across, and we would label ourselves as evangelical Protestants, right? right. It, within that within that landscape, you're seeing 76% white, mm. 6% black, 2% Asian, which you were saying minorities of the minorities, are the, <laughs> right. are, are the, and, and 11% Latino. And so a lot of times you look and say, well, the, the numbers don't bear out what you're saying there. At, at my regular job, I'm, I'm an analyst. Right. I look at numbers all the time. Yeah, exactly. The numbers tell a story, right? And if you don't, if you don't really believe that, you're going off emotion. Yeah, well, facts you don't are, care about your feelings, bro. <laughs> <that's> ben Shapiro. <laughs> <laughs> he just quoted Ben Shapiro on solo cast. So the, you know the, the the fact is that I think a lot of people, and this is something we've talked about before, people get so emotionally caught up in this issue that, um, and, and they don't want to hear this logic that we might be giving them we're people of the word we, we stand on the word of god right and so what it tells us that's that's how i'm going to live my life i'm going to apply this to my life and i'm going to see that what you were saying earlier about uh this mentality that we're not free you know you, you can be in church on sunday yeah. and, then, and then walk out and you're not free anymore <laughs> yeah. uh, i'm free indeed yeah because christ has freed me from the bondage of sin that was on me right i can live an abundant life now in christ because he has freed me from that bondage but again we have a, a friend of ours who, who who doesn't really want to touch on this subject because he's emotionally attached. I think this might be, uh, you yeah. know, we, we'd have to talk to him a little bit more about this, but it seems to me like he's attached to his old identity. Right. He's having a, a difficult time detaching from that. And we're not saying that uh, culture isn't a factor. Right. right? Like, like right. I can't leave my culture behind. I can't yeah. leave my ethnicity behind. But I am a new creation in Christ. Mm. Old things have passed away. Behold, right. all things have become new. Right. I'm a new creation. Yeah. And so... Uh, so I can still have fried chicken and Kool-Aid, right? Man, I can... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. As long as we get to keep the tamales. <laughs> well, you know, that's exactly... What did, what did we have yeah. last night? We went to Taco Cabana last night, man. Yeah. You know, we, uh, I don't know Taco Cabana is really Hispanic, but for us... <laughs> Bro, come on, man. That's, that's what, the only thing you can find at midnight. So oh, yeah. yeah that's, that's, uh, we were out there at midnight eating uh, some Taco Cabana. Oh, God. But that detaching from your personal identity... you. You're having a difficult time embracing who you are in Christ. Yeah, yeah. This is one of the things that I think we want here at SolarCast. If you're listening to us, embrace who you are in Christ. Yeah. Right? You have black brothers. You have white brothers. You have Asian brothers. 
we are a family in Christ. There are no more divisions. And, and since a funny thing, because we were talking last night and it came up the fact, well, then why are there fully black churches? Mm-hmm. You said you're 100% black. Right. <laughs> but you know, when you came to preach at our church the other day, afterwards, we were, me and you were talking and you said you're going to invite Pastor Chris over to, to preach at, at your church. Right. And he's welcome. Yeah, right. Of course, I I don't think I'd have a problem walking into your church and you say, no, 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 no Mexicans here, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We're the, you know me. We're right. brothers in Christ. Yeah, get one of those signs, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Mexicans. Uh, it, it, it's it's a difficult uh, thing for me to really believe that within the body you'd have this this thing, right? When me and you sit, Pastor Chris, and we talk about theology. Man, uh, it's like he's my actual brother, right? right? And I, I feel the same way about you, Henry. I just, I just know you. We've talked a little yeah. theology, yeah. But I, I tell you what, immediately I gravitate to those who do the will of my father, exactly, right? Exactly. And and so I don't care what color you are, yeah. And and <laughs> and also too, you know, I've been in churches where you know where I don't know the context of the worship, but I am able to read the words, know the words, hear the words, and be able to worship with those people, even if it doesn't have the melody that I'm used to or or whatever. Wherever God's people are, I'm I'm happy with that, and that's where I want to be. Right, and right. you know, I, you know, I, I I just don't understand, you know, the, you know, you know, the idea of not being able, like, you know, you have tons of people online saying, well, they're not catering to the, uh, you know, the black audience or the multicultural audience for worship or whatever. I'm like, is it Psalms? Is it the Word of God? Is it is the 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 worship exalting God? If it is, I don't care what melody has to it. I mean, you could argue about. You know styles and everything else, but at the end of the day, I, I, like I think that there's so that's such a secondary issue. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah I know. think what we would be attracted to is the word, right? You know, and the truth. I mean, the truth attracts. Yeah. You know, especially once your eyes have been open to the truth. And you know, for me anyway, man. You know, I think I've told this story before, man. I've I've been to a couple of these uh, popular pastors that we follow in the reform circles to their churches, man, and. And they're, they're white as can be, <laughs> and their worship is white. Right. And, and I, I, me and my wife, sometimes we'll go visit them and when we're on vacation. If we're, if we're on vacation, sometimes we'll choose our destination based off of what pastor we want to go see. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we'll go visit them, and, uh, man, we love the word, and we love the sermon that was preached. But I'll tell my wife, you know, it's a nice place to visit, but I don't know if I can live here. You know I need a little bit of culture, you know, in right, my life, right. you know what I mean? But, uh that's what attracts me, the, the word of God. And right. one, I, I remember one time getting into it with one of these brothers online, and uh, he was saying, you know, why don't our conferences, our reform conferences, have you know more of a mix of color in it, you know, and what what can we do? And I'm like, well, all this you know social justice talk is not going to do it. Right. What you need to do is we need to get into some of these churches, you know, the churches that where we're at. And we need to bring the truth, and we need to confront some of these these bad ideologies and these bad uh, gospels, prosperity yeah. gospel, yeah. Uh, you know, signs and wonders stuff. This stuff is prevalent in our community, yeah. man. That's all we see. And the reason they're not going to your conferences is because they don't like your word. They yeah. don't like your message. They want to hear something else, something they're yeah. used to. Yeah. And if we're ever going to get those people into the conferences that you want them to get into, we're going to need to do some groundwork. We need to go into these communities and change the message because they're not getting this message. They're not going to want to go to your conference. Because of the message that you're preaching, Reformed theology, they don't even know what that is. Yeah. You know, so if we want to change that, then we need to do uh, some some ground level, some grassroots stuff. And and uh, I was just you know kind of pointing that out, and of course people weren't trying to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because because it, it it gets to the point to where you know I've I've heard it said you know where you're trying to make the church white or you're trying to make it a whatever. I'm like, 
No, I'm just trying to be honest and truthful. I'm trying to break down the word. Like I, I, I've had people give me pushback about preaching too long. And I usually preach for 45 minutes, 45 minutes, 50 minutes or whatever. And it's because so many people who have come to our church are so used to the, the you know, the 30 minute power hour. Right. You know, the 30 minute, you know, get up and shout. I'm going to I'm going to tell you about what God has for you, your experience, your day. Right. I'm like, where is Christ at in this? Mm. Like if I'm talking about your day, your blessing, your breakthrough and everything, which God does provide all those things. But at the end of the day, it's about God first. Mm-hmm. And then from God, everything we received is pure grace. Right. Even in our sin is pure grace, you know. And so, you know, and, and that's that's another thing is like being experiential is I think, you know, our theology should drive our experience, mm-hmm. you know, like like our theology should, should drive our doxology. Right. It should drive the fact that, oh, wow, like, um, um, you know, like uh, like Martin Lloyd Jones, you know, you know, the preaching of the gospel should be logic first understanding. Right. Then it should be on fire. Right. You know, and, and that's just what I what I, I believe sincerely. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm I think sorry. some of these some of these churches, they're trying so hard to be multicultural. And they're doing all they can. They're putting on these, you know, woke conferences. We got yeah. one going on right now. <laughs> right now, right now, one. what's going on in the city? So let's, uh, you know, let's do what we can to to be as woke as we can. And yeah. as I was mentioning to, to my brothers last night, man, uh, people are going to want to worship with their culture. It's just, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. You know, and I don't care how woke you are, your church is still really white and people right. are going to go to your church. But, but, <laughs> the, but the amazing thing is, is that it's only wrong if you're white, quote unquote. You right. know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. It's only wrong if white people want to worship with white people, it's wrong for them. Mm-hmm. But if black people want to worship black people, then it's because they were always oppressed. Right. If right. Mexican people want to want to, want to worship with, with Mexican people, it's because they didn't didn't have no spot for them. Right. If Asian people open a, open a Vietnamese church, it's like don't even talk about that. Right. You know, it's right. like it, like it's, it's it's so funny that that the Asian community, Vietnamese, Taiwanese, uh, Japanese, Chinese, the, you know, in the, in the Christian context, they're like the un like don't don't talk about them. Right. Because there's nothing that you could put them into a bottle to say that they are oppressed because they have a cultural understanding. And I believe, especially in the Christian, in the, in the Reformed Asian brothers that I've met, they have a context of saying, look, we're going to you know, be heavy into our culture, but we're going to be heavy into Christ. Right. And when you look at the churches <clears throat> that are that are overseas, they don't have the <laughs> this, 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 this is why I say that 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 we here in America are, are not oppressed. They don't have time to talk about um, whether the worship is uh, black or white or whatever or what cultural context. They're worried about keeping their heads right. on their bodies. So there's no world conferences going yeah. on in China, right? Exactly. Yeah. So those, I mean, they're they're worried about keep keeping their churches. Right. They're worried about uh, them uh, having the churches, you know, bulldozed down because mm-hmm. the government is incredibly atheistic. And you know, that's 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 just what I say. It's like I I feel that that all this wokeness is just ridiculous because again. They're fighting an enemy that's not there. That's why I wanted to ask you about that word oppression being thrown around loosely because I think you're exactly right. We don't look at uh, the context of people that are generally oppressed in other countries. Uh, Like they can't even worship God on a Sunday morning. Yeah. You know, we're sitting here, you know, and we're oppressed. We got a 70 screen, you know, flat screen TV (laughs) and we're we're calling ourselves oppressed. Right. Right. You know, oppression is just. The line keeps moving, you know, the goalpost keeps moving, yeah. you know, whatever. I, I like the way how you said it, you know, we just make up something to be oppressed about. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. I remember uh, having a Bible study where we got to the verse uh, that says, those who desire to live a godly life in Christ will suffer persecution. And um, 
around the room, they were all like, well, we're in America. We really don't suffer persecution. And I just happened to say, well, what if we preach the gospel? Mm. Right? If we opened our mouths and, and talked about Christ the way he should be talked about, yeah. we'd feel some oppression. We'd feel some persecution. But I, that's not the same as, as the, the oppression that that, the, that social justice movement is talking about. We're talking about real oppression for the right thing, for, for Jesus Christ and, and for God's glory. That's a different thing. And we don't see that. A, a lot of this, what you were saying a minute ago about the you, when you're preaching to, to the you, what is God going to do for you? Yeah. And we see that in prosperity circles. We talked about that uh, before. I came across the scripture when we were doing the prep, and I thought this was relevant. Uh, this is Matthew 4, verses 8 through 10. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read this real quick. Um, starting in verse 8. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall wor worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. What struck me about this, because I'm thinking about the about the social justice movement, and what what's the end game, right? Is it the glorification of God? Is it to God's glory? Or is it, is it my own? Hmm. Am I looking for me, or am I looking for self? Now, here, here's the, the thought that came from these verses as I was reading this. If Jesus had, had accepted Satan's offer, well, he'd be thinking about himself only, but he wasn't. Mm -hmm. He was thinking about God's plan. Mm -hmm. He was thinking about everything. And I said, we can be put in this position ourselves. The Satan can show us the whole world and say, you can have all this if you'll just do these things and you'll bow down to me. Mm -hmm. But who are you serving in that context? Are you serving God or are you serving yourself? <laughs> right. And I think this, this is what uh, the woke movement wants to do. I'm serving self here, mm -hmm. right? I'm serving man here. Mm -hmm. Um, and we need to get away from that mentality. Yeah. The glorification of God is what we're here for, right? Yeah. Uh, we're here to worship God and, and, and glorify Him and, and, and be with Him forever, enjoy God forever. Yeah. There's just so much to get to. But one thing I did want to talk about before we closed is this issue of justice. By no means are we saying that we shouldn't pursue justice. I mean, Micah 6 8 tells us, you know, we are to walk humbly and do justice before our Lord. That is, that is the, the believer's command. So let me ask you this, Pastor Henry, how does that look like when we talk about, I mean, obviously there are going to be some, some wrongs that we see uh, going on in our, in our daily life as living in a fallen world. We're going we're gonna to see wrongs. What does that look like to, to do justice in, in the context of the Christian life? Well, uh, you know, like I was saying earlier, you know, we, we should most definitely, you know, dissent when we see an injustice, you know, like like um, I, I believe the, I believe the gentleman's name is Baltham Jean that got killed in his own yeah, right. uh, apartment. Um, I mean, you know, you know, blatantly uh, sinful behavior from from all the accounts and evidence. And that's another thing, too. And I'll kind of uh, sort of sort of elaborate on that when we see a news story or when we come, come across something, we read something on social media. Christians or evangelical or the reformed community or just this community at large that profess to be Christians, we have to do a better job of obeying scripture. It says, don't judge anything before it's time. Mm. It says, be, you know, level headed when you judge certain matters. It says that the first person that comes with their issue may seem right until another one comes behind him and, and sort of brings out the other evidence, right? So we shouldn't just believe the news or a news story or whatever. We should wait until everything is there. But how justice looks like in the church is to dissent, basically. It's, it's not to go out and pick it and, and, uh, and be some sort of social activist. 
um, because of course any powers that 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 are in power are in are are in that power because God has sovereignly put them there. Romans thirteen. But we should, I mean, if if we have the avenue to podcast, if we have the avenue to uh, post on social media, if we have an like whatever avenue that we have to dissent against this evil behavior, mm-hmm. we should most definitely do it. I mean, look at um, abortion, which is why you know just from an African American context, when I look at abortion. You know, everybody that's in my context, they're absolutely silent on it. Why? Because they vote historically and monolithically democratic. Well, we have politicians that are literally saying that it's okay to kill your baby in the eighth month, right? The minute before it's born, the mother can make a choice to abort the baby, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And and it's due to the mother's health. Hmm. Well, health is an incredibly broad term, right? Well, when you look at the demographics, the numbers go back to what you you were saying, Jimmy. African-Americans, we are aborted, well, upwards to 31%, sometimes in some states up to almost 40%. Wow. And we only make up 12% of the population. If you say black women who, who are having the procedures done on them, they're about 6% of the population, which is absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. There is a genocide going on. And then we look at the history of it. It's incredibly racist. Mm-hmm. It was designed and made by neo-Darwinian racist, <laughs> I mean, white individuals that were looking to, to destroy the, the minority community. Right. And so when you when you look at that, so we should dissent on those on those things, but at the same time, just like this new situation that that happened, and it just it just it just grieves my heart so bad is that uh, with the Covington Catholic Catholic school or whatever, right? right? You know, I, I totally disagree with, with Catholic doctrine. But the kids are standing there. You have uh, the Hebrew Israelites, uh, which are all over my, my city now, uh, saying all types of terms. And I mean, we need to have you back on the episode. We'll do it. Oh yeah, yeah, of course. And and you know, they're they're saying all type of stuff and everything. But here's the thing that grieved me: because we're so so woke, uh, quote unquote, and because we're so trying to be so much of an activist, a virtue signal. Why are Christians trying to virtue signal? All the virtue is in Christ. Mm, mm. That's we don't good. we don't we don't have any virtue. Right. We recognize that we bow before the virtuous one, which is Christ. Amen. Second thing is, why are we quick to judgment? Mm. It says be slow to anger, right? Mm. It says be slow to speak, right? Don't open your mouth out of ignorance. Mm. And the very next day, everybody was all out there apologizing. And so that makes us look bad because we look like we look just like the world when we overzealously judge things yeah. with the wrong injustice. Right. Can I answer so, your question? Because I think it needs to be said. I think we the reason why we do that is because it builds our followers on Twitter. Mm. It, it gives us a publishing deal to write a book. Yeah. It opens up uh, speaking engagements at conferences. Yeah. I mean, this is the the issue of the day. You know, so people want to jump on it. Yeah. That's an interesting thing that you said that because I think that came up at the uh, pre-conference when we were in uh, in Atlanta. Uh, saying uh, there is no end game to the social justice movement because we want to write more books, mm. we want to publish more more things, we want to, we want to keep on being heard, we want to keep on having conferences. Right. So what what what's the end goal? If we come to a a place where we all agree, okay, now we're done. That's that doesn't look like it's happening. Mm. We want to keep on going with this thing, yeah. right? Yeah. And and again, we go back to the to the one thing I remember. Me and you on exchange, we were texting each other about this uh, subject. And I said, can't we just get back to preaching the gospel? Mm. And you were saying, right. Mm. Let's just get back to preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is a distraction. And I I keep saying that uh, in in so many, last week we talked about that with the the, um, Illuminati thing, the little story that I told you (laughs) about the Illuminati. Who are we fighting here, right? We have one mission. Go preach the gospel. Go compel men to come into Mm. Christ, 
Mm-hmm. That's what we're supposed yeah. to do. We're supposed to preach the gospel every week. Yeah. Right. And um, when it comes to to this, I just see it as something that busy busy work for Christians that won't actually preach the gospel. Yeah. Right. You know, I think one thing too that I, I want to mention is that the reason why you 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 know people might ask, well, what do these dudes care, man? They got a podcast. What do they care about the social justice thing? Uh, why is it personal to us? And I want to share mine, and maybe you guys can share yours. The reason why it's personal to me is because where I come from, number one, and number two is where we're at planning this church. You know, we it's funny, man. We got we got woke churches on the outside of our city. You know what I mean? White churches that are more woke than us. And we're right. I know you, brother, brother you in Oak Cliff, and you know we're yeah. in West Dallas, and man, we're we're, we're in the thick of it, man. Right, you know what I mean? Right. And, and people are, uh, you know, in the nice part of town being woke, and we're over here in the thick of it. But the people that I want to reach and the people that we're reaching and the people that we encounter when we when we do outreaches, man, they're they're hurting. They're generally hurting. And I can only bring them the only thing that I know that can save them. Mm. And coming at them with, you know, political philosophy, coming at them with, with any type of woke agenda is not going to help their cause. I see it firsthand. I see it in their eyes. What they need is Jesus. Mm-hmm. What they need is uh, a cure for their soul. They are bound. They are living a life of ruins. The enemy is having a field day with addiction and poverty and yeah. sickness and all types of stuff, man. And, you know, we're like doctors with a cure. And the only cure that we have is Jesus Christ, is the gospel. We're not ashamed of it. It is the power into salvation. We know that it is the only thing that is able to make dead men live. And mm-hmm. where we're at, where we're planning, what we see every day is we're dealing with dead men. We're dealing with people with no future, with no hope, with no reason to wake up in the morning. And look, I want to be there and I want to tell them there is a reason for you to have hope. There is a reason for you to wake up in the morning. It has nothing to do with a political agenda. It has nothing to do with any type of philosophy. It has everything to do with a risen Savior. It has everything to do with Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. My brother and sister, you need to find that. That is what we need to focus on. And everything else, this whole movement to me is just a big distraction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Pastor Chris Hernandez. That's <laughs> <laughs> you know, good, brother. Well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say mine because mine is, is really quick. But the biggest thing um, uh, that happened to me as sort of personal experience is that in my church, I saw a need, just like you said, people living in poverty. I probably would say at the beginning start of my ministry, um, no one in my church probably, and I'll just you know be blatantly honest, nobody in my church was making over probably $20,000. And probably lower. You know, there's people who were uh, retired, people who are on fixed income, people who were on government assistance. Uh, we've helped the people get off of government assistance. Um, and now those people are sitting in offices, controlling their own offices, having their own business ideas. And we're, and we're small, but we're making an impact. Mm-hmm. And it's because of the fact that we took the principles of Christ and I started a work program in my uh, congregation, you know, rewriting resumes and everything else. Awesome. But the biggest thing that struck me was kind of what you what you were talking about. I was helping this young young lady with her resume, and of course, you know she's she's black. You know, my whole congregation is black, and I'm, I'm helping her with it with her with her resume. And we got everything finished, got everything real nice, right? Uh, she's in the food industry. She has tons of years of experience, so I'm putting it all in there. And so we're looking at um, things, supervisor roles, manager roles, or whatever. And it almost made me cry. She she looked up to me because I was standing over her helping her with um, the job applications. And she said, uh, wow, I didn't know they let us have nothing like that. Hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and and like, 
I, I literally took that phrase. She said, I didn't know that they didn't let us have anything like that. Hmm. And this person is not an old person. This person is younger than 40. Wow. But the mentality is there. Mm-hmm. I'm like, who told you that? Mm-hmm. You know, and so that's been the driving force in my ministry is to remove that mentality because, again, in Christ, no matter who you are, no matter what your upbringing, you are a glorified saint and you are precious to God mm-hmm. if you're truly saved. Okay. And so, you know, I mean, you said, you know, mouthful, you said it all, but that's a personal experience that I took to heart and that's sort of been my drive train. That's why I hate this, um, and I'll say, I'll, I will say that strongly, I actually hate this this woke mentality idea because they're refunneling that mentality. And what's worse, it's not coming from the world, it's coming from inside the church. Right, right. So, and it's making our job difficult on the front line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking to a young person in South Oak Cliff or West Dallas that we need to get all this cynicism out of him. We want him to understand that this world, yes, it's unfair. Actually, I want, I want you. I want to show you the unfairness of yeah. this world. Yeah. I, want, I want you to see it. I don't want to hide it from you. I don't even want to remove it because I can't remove it. Yeah. I want you to see it, and I want you to see it for what it is. It is sin. And I also want you to see the sin that's in you. Right. Right. You know, the gospel, the, the entry to the gospel is to look inside ourselves and say that we have sinned. Right. Right. And by coddling this mentality that, no, someone has sinned against you, just makes it all the more harder for us to win people to Christ. Right. We're, we're now confronting people with the mentality that everybody has sinned against me. So what do I have to come to Christ for? Right. What do I have to admit? I, my sin, the reason I, I sin, they're not owning their sin. The reason I sin is because someone else has done something to right, me. Right, exactly. <laughs> and the gospel is about, no, you, you own your sin. You're, you're a sinner. You need to confess your sins before the Lord. You need to look inside yourself and come to Christ and find forgiveness in Him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Last night, after Taco Cabana, what did we do? Yeah. <laughs> Chris, what did we do last night? Shared the gospel. Us? We shared the gospel with uh, a young black lady, mm-hmm. security guard at Taco Cabana. Name was T. We stopped her. We started talking to her. Yeah. Right? And she said she had worked in the prison system as a guard, and she knew that there were... Uh, guys in there that found Jesus, she said they were pedophiles, and she wouldn't listen to not one of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was so focused on their sin, she couldn't look inward to hers. Mm-hmm. But we we did. We we brought it back to this. You just admitted to me that you're a liar, a thief, and a blasphemous dishonor of your parents. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this. Mm-hmm. These are your sins. <coughs> you left her with a Bible, a uh, bookmark to Psalm 51, where she might look and say, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. And that, that brings me to why it's a big deal to me. Because my, my focus is evangelism. I'll evangelize. Mm-hmm. I'll evangelize anyone. Everyone. And I don't care. I think this gets in the way. Mm-hmm. I think this is this is distracting people. Shiny little object on the side. Yeah. Right? Instead of focusing on winning souls to Christ, mm-hmm. he that wins souls is wise. Don't get distracted by this little shiny object that's on the, on the right side or the left side. Stay focused on this narrow path that you have. Mm-hmm. Right? Broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way that leads to life. There are a few who find it. You, you need to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so this is, this is what, what gets me about this. Not just that. I have a dear friend of mine who is so caught up in this, in this rhetoric, right? When I say rhetoric, I want SolarCast audience to know that that just means persuasive speak. Mm-hmm. The people in the woke movement have persuasive speak. Mm. They, they speak persuasively, yeah. and they can get you off kilter. Guess who else had persuasive speech? 
Satan in mm. the garden. Cunning craftiness. Did God actually tell you that you couldn't eat from this? Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And you can be like God yourselves. And so this is what, what gets me. The message is just getting you distracted. And so that is a, a personal thing for me because this friend of mine was actually learning how to evangelize mm-hmm. and then get, got off track. Right. Um, not, not that my friend isn't evangelizing. I'm just saying that. When it when it comes to that 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 can be something that takes yeah. your takes your eye off. It is, you know, you know, Jesus Christ told the disciples, "Come with me, and I'll make you fishers of men." He didn't say which fish you're going to catch. <laughs> That's good. You know, you know, it, you know, if, if <laughs> some people may catch trout, some people may catch perch or bass or whatever. So, if my congregation is 100 percent black, am I wrong? Mm. Am I am I doing something wrong because no quote unquote white people want to come to my church? Mm. No, it's just it's the context that I'm in. Right? Maybe God saw fit that this place, Oak Cliff, Texas, whatever, has a need here in this context, and I'm going to be faithful to the congregation that He's given me. Right? And I would say that to any person, whether you're Caucasian, Asian, black, white, Latino, whatever, yeah. you know. Sounds like God is a sovereign in the congregation. <laughs> Sounds like it. <laughs> I didn't know God was sovereign. <laughs> One thing I want to say, because I can just hear some, some detractors out there and say, well, you guys obviously don't care about the poor and the widow and those that do uh, experience any type of you know, injustice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Because you always hear that. Yeah. So what, what would we say to that person that, that's thinking that? Do, do, we, do we care? What kind of obligation do we have? Again, you mentioned dissent. Anything else that we see uh, that we can flesh out? Yeah, well, I would say, you know, we do care about, you know, the poor, the orphan, the oppressed, the widow, mm-hmm. uh, the ones that are dumb and halt and lame. And, the, of course, babies in the womb that can't speak for themselves. All those groups, right? Those are groups that are oppressed. But, um, you know, the thing that I've, that I've said is, is that I will fight um, tooth and nail for people who are actually oppressed. Mm. But I think the problem is, especially in the American context, is that people who are oppressing themselves, we can't do anything for. Mm. Um, I've I've been feeding the homeless for about five years now. Uh, We started about a year after I began my ministry in in Dallas. And let me tell you, you the people who are homeless that truly want to be off the street, we've gotten them jobs. We've gotten them on work programs. We've gotten them apartments. Awesome. And they're working back to working class and, and tons of different stories, right? Um, so I've seen that. And there are people out there five years in that are still out there mm-hmm. that we give you know, a, a food to or bowls of soup to or whatever because they want to be out there, right. literally. Right. Um, not, I'm, I'm talking about able-bodied people. I'm not, I'm not talking, about, talking about people who are, who are deaf or who have a mental illness. Or what. I'm talking about able-bodied men who are out there that just want to be out there, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll say the secondary thing is that when you talk about oppression, you talk about justice and you talk about, you know, not caring for widows and orphans, and people who are oppressed. That's not true. We most certainly do. But both in the Old Testament context and New Testament context, it says that these people have to be qualified, meaning that, you know, this, this may this may offend somebody, but I, I, I implore them to show me about scripture. It says when we need to take care of the widow. She can't be a widow because she killed her husband. Hmm. She can't be a widow because she committed adultery her entire marriage and everybody knows it and mm-hmm. it's in the church and she has no uh, life savings right. or whatever. She wasn't a good steward over her husband's finances. She just frivolously blew it off. The, you, know, you know, the Bible says take care of the widows who are widows indeed. indeed. Those who have washed the saints' feet. Those who have done these things. So there are qualifiers even to the poor. Mm-hmm. Jesus Christ says the poor is going to be with you always. Mm-hmm. 
He even knew there's going to be inequity. Right. But just because there is an inequity does not mean that there is directly an injustice. Right. And I, I think that we need to, again, be level-headed and be godly about our judgment in these in these certain certain matters. Sure. I mean, even Paul, uh, was it in Second uh, Thessalonians 3.10, you know, if he doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and so, you know, I'm... I've been at the VA hospital. I've I've held people's hand as their lives have passed on to the mm-hmm. next phase. I've I've held uh, people who are homosexual and and lesbians where their hands look like they're li- like it's a skeleton inside. Like I've I've done this. I've 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 hugged people who are homeless who smell like you know the garbage. I've prayed for people with track marks in their arm. Like I'm there. I'm on the ground floor. Mm-hmm. I don't have to video record it to. Let you know that I'm, right. I'm there, but I'm, I'm right. there. And so when people say that that they're oppressed, and I see you with a two car garage, a four bedroom house, and all these certain things, you got seventy inch plasma TVs, LCD, what is it? Was it, was it OLED, QLED, or whatever, yeah. 4K, or whatever? 4K now. You know, Five you got this stuff. You got all this stuff inside your home, and your kids go to private school, and you live in Frisco in a five hundred thousand thousand dollar house. How in the world are you oppressed? Right. Right. You know, and, yeah. and you know, and I and I just see that, and I, and I say we we have to be better discerners right. of all circumstances. Right. So yeah, and when I see these things like the world conferences that are go on, the MLK fifty conference, and all this stuff that that goes on, and there's this big outcry of injustice and how the church is unfair and everybody's been unfair and all this and that. My thoughts are there are some genuine people out there that are struggling. There is a widow that that is a widow indeed. There is an orphan out there. There is, you know, maybe some some Hellenists out there that that are not getting fair treatment and so forth. Right, exactly. But what I see in the context of the New Testament, I mean, we just look at who these letters were written to. uh, This is done in the local church. Yeah. You know, if someone has a problem or a gripe with, with being treated unfairly, then, then go to your pastor, go to your elders, go to the people in your church. Why do you got to get on social media and scream that this whole whole system needs to come crashing down? You know, let's just yeah. let's just start a revolution. That's not the way to go about it. That's not the way Paul told us to go about it in the New Testament. The the way we go about anything, whether we see injustices, is we we deal with it in our local church. If there's someone in your in your church that has been unjust or, or treated people unfairly or has displayed any type of racism, racism is a sin. You know, mm-hmm. let's deal with it in the local church. If that person is being racist, then let's put them under church discipline. How about how about we do things the way the New Testament tells us to do right, things exactly. instead of going on these crusades and conferences and revolutions and so forth like the world is doing. We have no business chasing the world. Let's get into the book. Let's get into the New Testament. If we see things that are going on that are unjust and let's deal with it the way the scripture tells us to deal with it in the context of our local body. But you know what the problem is? People don't take the local body seriously anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, people don't take eldership seriously. People don't take church discipline seriously. Yeah. So we got to have these woke conferences, right. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Going back to what uh, Pastor Henry was saying just a minute ago, because it, it brought up this idea in my mind, and man, commend you for all that work. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Getting people back into jobs. I, I remember uh, I was witnessing out on the, on the at the West End, and uh, I talked to this uh, black gentleman, right? And I witnessed to him. I shared the gospel with him. And I tell you what, he started to tear up in front of me, mm-hmm. and um, I'm I'm looking at him. Um, I'm, I'm trying to, think, to remember his name. I think it was Joe, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not quite sure. It, this is I talked to so many people on the street, <laughs> right. but this guy, um, he he looks at me and he tells me, "Bro, I I got crack in my pocket right now," mm. and 
it just came tumbling in on me. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like that, that got me a little teared up myself, mm. right? Like he was in prison to this thing. Wow. And, um, he just wanted to tear up in front of me. And I said, bro, can I pray for you? And he said, no, not here. Not in front of all these people. I can't handle that. I got to go. Wow. Right. And, and for me, I, I looked at that and I said, what work are we doing out there yeah. on this crusade that Pastor Chris is just talking about when we should be reaching out to these people on the streets that yeah. are struggling like this? This guy's in prison to his sin. And what I want to do is reach in there and pull him out and say, mm-hmm. come, come meet Christ. Come meet Christ. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what's funny is that all these these uh, famous pastors with all these followers, even some of these social justians that have gotten this new following and have become popular on social media just because of this social justice movement, they're new to the game. And I know me personally, being in ministry for, for quite a while and being with street ministries, kind of like what you, you described, Pastor Henry, man, there's some churches that have been doing this a long time. Yeah. Like you're talking about, Jimmy, that have been on the front lines, that have been with the drug addict, that have been with the down and out, that have been with the depressed. Prison ministries. Prison ministries, yeah. man, loving people out there, doing the work uh, of Jesus Christ, man. And they're not, you know what they're not doing? They're not out there screaming on social media about how yeah. people are, are oppressed. Yeah. You know, they're just they're not people. on the corner preaching the gospel. Mm. And a lot of them, it's so funny because when you look at them on, on social media, they will almost sort of scoff at people who are out on the corner preaching the gospel. I, I saw it like, the other day. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. like, like we shouldn't do it that right. way. Like that, the, like that way is old, it's harsh. It's, right. What are you talking about? If you're Calvinist, you know that the Word of God is going to save who it's supposed to save. I saw someone criticizing what they would call Great Commission Christians the other day. <laughs> Great Commission Christians? Yeah. Yeah. Great Commission Christians. Thank you, Lord. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just rip Matthew 28 right yeah. out of the verse, right? But yeah, we man, there's so much to say, and we've went a little long on this episode. But before we close out, you know, any any anything that you would like to add before we close out? Either you guys uh, want to add to this whole uh, topic? I mean, I know there's a lot to say. I know there's a lot we left out, but you know, for sake of time, is there anything that you guys like to add? You know, Preach the gospel. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> I want I want to just quote one verse, mm-hmm. one small little verse. First Corinthians ten twenty four says this: Let no one seek his own good, but the good of his neighbor. Mm-hmm. Let's get back to that. Yes. Let's get back to seeking the good of our neighbor mm-hmm. instead of looking at ourselves and saying, "What can I get from you?" For me, Christianity is not a selfish religion. It's not a self-centered, navel-gazing religion. Right. It's one that looks outward at his neighbor and says, I love you. I want to do for you. Amen. And so that's that's the last thought I, I want to I give because uh, this has just gotten a little bit real for me mm-hmm. <laughs> as we're talking in this room. I'm uh, thinking about some of the things. Pastor Henry, it was a pleasure to have yeah. you on. Yeah, appreciate you, brother. we got to have you on again. Yeah, man. Yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I thank God. Uh, you know, uh, glory to God in the highest and to him alone. Uh, you know, the, all, all praises are due. And um, <clears throat> Jesus Christ, of course, the Savior, it, uh, Savior of all. And, you know, the biggest thing that I think that I want to leave with is just say, at the end of the day, Christ is all. Mm-hmm. And and I say that because of the fact that when I look at these prominent pastors and these people who are in these social media spaces, and I just really think sometimes, and, and I, I say this, you know, as humbly as I can, but when you have a person who is blatantly looking at the numbers and the facts and everything else. And they go against the grain of what's of what's actually true. What's actually there. I think two things. I think this person is, is either dishonest or they're deceptive. 
Meaning that I can be honest with you, but I can be honestly wrong. Right. You see what I'm saying? Right. But when it gets to a point or when I see certain things to where they're, to where they're advocating their own and you can see that it's clearly a avenue of opportunist, mm-hmm. then that's when I'm like, this person is deceptive. Mm-hmm. This person is actually literally trying to be harmful to the body of Christ. And because I love Christ, I love his body. Amen. And that's when I get to the point to where, you know, it's just like I'm like I have to calm myself down because you can see the deceptiveness in the church. And I'm like, this is what I've been reading in all these commentaries. This is what these guys fought for in all the books that we have, all the literature. They were fighting against people who were actively deceiving people in the church. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, if, if, if I could leave anyone with anything, just be discerning. Be discerning, and all is owed to Christ. Amen. Period. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I think that uh, we said some good stuff, and then again, some stuff we missed out. But continue. If you have a question, concern, something that we didn't get to, you know, hit us up on uh, the website. It's at thesolacast.com. There you'll see a message board at the bottom, and you can send us a message. If you had a question, some pushback, we welcome it. You know, if, if, if we welcome dialogue. I know some guys on the other side of this issue don't like to dialogue, but we, we welcome it. You know, we'll be glad to talk about it and, and hear what you got to say. But yeah, so hit us up on the website. Also, our Twitter handles. Yeah, I'm at Los Jimmy. At Los Jimmy. Okay, I'm at C Hernandez214. For the podcast, for SolaCast, it's at Sola underscore cast. Pastor Henry, you got a, a Twitter handle you want yeah, to follow? Yeah, 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 yeah. So on so on Twitter, I'm at Knox Broadcast, mm-hmm. and uh, you can you can find our, our our church website is CIV. That stands for Christ Infinite Vision, but it's CIVMinistries.org. Awesome, awesome. Again, Pastor Ron, thank you for joining us. And again, we're going to have him back, man. He says some good stuff. Yeah. Where, where's, our, where's our church located? Yeah, come, come visit us at, uh, uh, every Sunday, 1030 a.m. We're at 1819 Singleton Boulevard, Dallas, Texas. Come visit us at Ecclesia there. We're glad to have you guys visit us again. You can check us out there, too, at www.ecclesiachurch.org. But I want to thank you for listening to this episode of SolarCast. I know we went a little long, but be sure to turn in next week as we got a fresh new episode coming every Tuesday morning. Morning. But until next time, let's get to the meat. Okay, it. I just made this beat right now. I'm MC Goya. Okay, listen. Hey, I'm on the ground like El Chapo in a tunnel, eating about 12 tacos. I'll put you in a box like a gato. Punchline stay in my mouth like Mr. Sacco. Jay thinks he runs Christian hip hop. He wears white socks when he wears his flip flops. And he looks like Shook Knight I put him in a chokehold and say goodnight It's not music but clothes that he started I can't find better shirts in a flea market Okay Google, who's the best rapper? Goya, rapping graces full of slackers When I laugh